Good morning. This is Angela Schaefers, the host of Your Story Matters. Today, I am interviewing author Dennis Blanchard, and he will be sharing with us about his new book, 300 Zeros. Good morning, Dennis, and thank you for joining us. Good morning, Angela. It's great to be here. And I hear it's another sunny, beautiful day in uh, Tampa Bay. It's warmer than it has been, let's put it that way. Well, good. I know that's the best weather sometimes is this springtime. So anyway, tell us a little bit about what you do, Dennis, and some of your history, if you will, that's kind of led up to where you're at in life today. Sure. I was born and raised in Connecticut, but lived most of my life in New Hampshire. And I've been an electrical engineer all my life, designing boring things like telephone modems and cable modems, Mm -hmm. and loved the work, and uh, retired a few years ago, and had lots of free time on my hands, which I started filling with volunteer work and that sort of thing, but nothing grabbed me until uh, one morning my wife suggested that I I look into a local Appalachian Trail Club, and and that, that led to me going off to hike the Appalachian Trail. Wow, that sounds like an exciting adventure. And I read a bit of your book, uh, 300 Zeros, and I wanted to ask you or to have you share with the listeners the um, key to the story about the Appalachian Trail regarding your brother and that dream. Okay, and it's it's interesting when you do a book review like this, you you, you want to avoid the really juicy best parts. Uh-huh. So it, it, it can be a little difficult talking around them, but I'll do my best. It's like watching previews to movies. You don't want to spoil the movie at the same I time. I hear you. I hear you. Sure. Yeah, well, the uh, way back in the 60s, my when I was a youngster, my brother and mm-hmm. I promised each other we'd go off and hike the Appalachian Trail. Mm-hmm. And we were very fascinated by a woman at that time who I think she was 67 times she hiked the trail, Grandma Gatewood. Wow. And, you know, this was the days of Daniel Boone and Davy Crockett and Disney and all that. And it was it, it was just overwhelming. The, the thought of walking in practically the entire East Coast was just such an enticement. Mm-hmm. So we promised we'd, we'd do that when we get out of the military since Vietnam was brewing. <laughs> My brother didn't make it. He went into the Marine Corps, and he was killed in August of... Excuse me, 1968. Wow, well, I'm sorry. But after the war, or after I came home, I, I did. We promised to do two things: uh, do a coast to coast motorcycle ride and hike the Appalachian Trail. Mm-hmm. I did motorcycle ride in 1974, 1973, but I never went off and hiked the trail. Mm-hmm. And then a few a few years back, my wife saw this ad in the paper, and next thing you know, I'm setting off to hike the hike the trail. Wow, that's great. So dreams can come true eventually. It's just a matter of timing, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. And that must have been really um, awesome for you to just kind of fulfill something that you and your brother had talked about and dreamt about, and I'm sure that was um, emotionally fulfilling for you. Is that right? Yes. It, it, it was a bit difficult setting off to do it. You know, you you have something in the back of your mind for, well, for me, it was about 40 years. Mm-hmm. And, and it's actually coming to fruition. You're actually going to go do this thing. And all of a sudden, it's it's, it's grown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a little more scary than, than, than it, you know, when you just sort of, well, someday, someday. But it was, when it became a reality, it was pretty overwhelming. Yeah. It would actually get off the trail. 
try this. I can the imagine. Trail, the, trail, the, the trail itself is you know, 2,176 miles. And, wow. You know, Driving that is challenging, but walking it mm-hmm. <laughs> with all those mountains is, is a real thrill. Yeah, I bet. And what do you think it was within you, Dennis, that motivated you to fulfill your dream? I mean, you know, part of my show is about having dreams and fulfilling them and finding your purpose in life and those types of things. And so I, I always ask the people that I interview or invite to be on the show what gave them that motivation or that drive? Because often everyone has different answers. And, and as you know, there's a lot of people out there who have those things that they say, if only, or I wish I could, and they just don't do it. So give us, give our listeners something to, to help encourage and inspire them to follow their dreams. Well, you know, <laughs> interestingly enough, I was getting older so the very things you just talked about were, you know, I never did it. No, well, maybe someday. Well, well, someday was had better get here soon. If, you know, I was 63 years old at the time, mm-hmm. 60 years old at the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I I wanted to fulfill that promise. I, it always been back in my mind. And I felt it was time to do it. And I had to conjure up, you know, a little bit of bravery to do it. I, mm-hmm. Most... Uh, my son, back in 19, what was it, 1998, he got me involved in mountain bike riding, mm-hmm. and I fell in love with it. I fell down a few times, too, but <laughs> I, I really, really started loving mountain biking. I'd always liked being out in the woods. And we lived in New Hampshire, lots of mountains, lots of trails, and I spent a tremendous amount of time out in the woods riding the mountain bike. And I I got into racing at 50, 55 plus years. Wow. I got into mountain bike racing. And at first, I'd start dead last and all this sort of thing. But then I'm a very competitive person. And I said, oh, I can do this. I can mm-hmm. race. Mm-hmm. So I worked. I, I seriously set out to work at becoming better at it. And gradually, I started improving in the races. And then I started winning races. And Eventually, in 2002, I, I was mountain bike champion in New England, so for the old guys, of course. <laughs> but it, it, that was a, a total thrill, and yeah. it, it was. I, I started believing in myself at that point. You know, you can really do these things. You can really, really, really set mind to them. Absolutely. And, and when it came to the trail, it was another challenge, and I. I was, I was a neophyte in many ways. I mean, I had all the wrong gear when I mm-hmm. first did this. But I, I'm good at learning, and I joined our local Appalachian Trail Club here in Florida. They meet in Sarasota, actually. And the people there really helped me learn about the right equipment to use and, you know, tricks of the trade and so on. They, mm-hmm. they really... They really set me off on the right foot, if you will. Right. That's awesome. And I read part of that in the book. And uh, I love what you're saying. I mean, you believe in yourself and you obviously persevere. And that leads me to another question, um, because I'm assuming you're not officially an author. You haven't written a lot and done articles and books and that type of thing. So what gave you the motivation to be able to write a book? And, and to think about having enough material, if you will, in the right words, because that's always what people say to me is, I could never write a book because I'm not a writer or I'm not an author. And I just commend you for sharing yours. And I wondered what history or experience you have there. 
it's interesting. When I set off to do this, a, a book was probably the farthest thing from my mind. And I set out in 2007 up in Springer Mountain in Georgia where the trail begins. And I had, as you saw in the book, I had a few problems before I left, but mm-hmm. not physical problems, but nothing too serious. I set off, had a wonderful time walking along through Georgia and Carolina, Tennessee, but I was having these chest pains every now and then, particularly in the morning. And by the time I get up into Southern Virginia, I figured it's it's time. Uh, I'd better get this checked. So I, I took a week off. I figured, okay, I'll take a week or so. I'll go back to Sarasota, Florida. I'll surprise my wife, Jane, and it'd be nice. Take a, take a week off. That's not too bad. You can still get back on the trail, and there's plenty of time to finish. And when I came back, and this is sort of a spoiler for the book, but many people already know it anyway. Uh, when I got back to Florida, they, the cardiologist uh, checked my heart and immediately decided I needed to be right into to heart surgery. And oh, wow. With no, I, I, I was at an outpatient catheterization uh, uh, they were doing, and they wouldn't even let me go home and get my glasses. They were they were concerned that I could die any second. Wow. Uh, it was that and I feel that bad, but I guess it was it was pretty urgent. So they rushed me right over to the hospital and I went right into heart surgery and I ended up with a six artery heart bypass. Mm. So <laughs> subsequently with that I, I, I didn't go back to the trail in two thousand seven. And it took me took me three hundred days from when I left the trail to when I was in good enough condition to go back and continue my hike. Hence the title of the book, which is 300 zeros, because the hikers refer to any day that you're not hiking, you're doing zero miles, mm-hmm. therefore zero days. Ah. So I have, yeah, <laughs> so I had 300 zero days. So I got back on the trail in Virginia where I got off in Parisburg and headed on out and finished my, my hike in 2008 up mm-hmm. at Mount Katahdin in Maine. And then what made you um, decide to write the book and to share um, your journey? Oh, yeah, sure. And that, right, that actually was the question to begin with, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I kept copious notes. I, I, I carried a notebook, and I actually physically wrote with a, with a pen as opposed to all the wonderful tools that are out there today. Kept a notebook, and whenever I had a chance along the trail, which is it, challenging, but Every now and then I'd find an internet connection. I'd get on to something called trailjournals.com, mm-hmm. all one word. And I'd make entries in there, and I could upload pictures from my camera and so on. So I, 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 I sort of kept an online journal as I was going along, and I had the written notebook, which had quite a bit more information in it. Everything was really shorthand. I, I didn't write any long you know, paragraphs or anything. Mm-hmm. I would make notes of the date and where things happened and funny things that happened. I'm into humor. Yes, I love that about the book. There was a lot of great humor in there. It kept you going for sure. Yeah. So when I got home, you know, with the with the story itself, I mean, just doing the hike, there there are dozens of books about people hiking the Appalachian Trail. And I have to admit, I've probably read 15 to 20 of them even before I got on the trail. Mm-hmm. And 
every one of them is different. You can you could actually make I think make a lifetime's read of just sitting and reading all the Appalachian books and never get bored with them. Every story is so different. And I figured I had a really different story with the with the heart surgery right in the middle of it and the fact that I was doing it for my brother's honor. So the combination of things, I thought, well, this might make an interesting book. I've written a number of magazine articles over the years, mm-hmm. a substantial number, actually. Mostly technology, but a little bit of... Never really considered doing a book. So I sat down and started gathering all the notes together. and Oh, it took about six months of effort, but I ended up with a book. Wow. <laughs> and and it was, I, I'm actually pleased with it. You know, as an engineer, uh, very often uh, you're designing something and you have a schedule to meet. You design your product and, and you always want to do a little bit more, tweak this, make it a little better, do this and that. Mm-hmm. You always clock running. So you never, you never get to the point where it's 100% the way you want it. But I have to say, with the book, I'm pleased. I I think it came out the way I wanted it to. That's great. And tell the listeners, because, of course, I got the feeling that it's not just for hikers. It's not just for people even who are interested in the Appalachian Trail. There was so much more to it. What do you think um, would be your audience other than the obvious? Yeah, I I have three main audiences that I think the book appeals to, well, first of all, is, of course, the hikers. Anyone who's interested in the Appalachian Trail in any way will, I think, thoroughly enjoy the book, especially if they like comedy. There's there's an awful lot of funny stuff in there. <clears throat> Excuse me. The second group, which is not quite as obvious, is the anyone who's either facing heart surgery or has already gone through it. Mm-hmm. The my cardiologist told me that typically 95% of the people who go through open heart surgery end up in some form of a depression and it mm-hmm. can last from, it can last from three hours to three years. Wow. Mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody's different. Mm-hmm. I had the good fortune of having this goal in mind. I, I, there was nothing I wanted to do more and finished hiking the trail. I didn't care if it killed me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I absolutely, that was what I wanted to do. And I was so driven by that. I never, ever for a moment had any depression whatsoever. I I was just itching to get back out there and finish the hike. And, and I think there was a message there that I'd love to get across to the listeners, that, especially the ones with the heart surgery situation, mm-hmm. is that, I came to the conclusion that the surgery gave me a second life. I, wow. Mm-hmm. I that I may not have had. And there was an opportunity to do something with that second life. Mm-hmm. And and I, I, I just can't emphasize enough how important that is. So that would be my second audience. Anyone uh, dealing with the situation, I think the book really, really sends a message to them. And... <clears throat> My my third group of people that I think would be interested in are people that are interested in amateur radio or ham radio, of all things, because uh, I carried a ham radio with me uh, for the entire hike, mm-hmm. and, and it was a Morse code radio. You know, you sit there with a key and actually talking over the radio with a Morse code key. Wow. Cool. <laughs> and I 
I've been in ham radio since I was 12 years old. Uh-huh. So I'm 63 now. So I've, it's been quite a few years. Uh-huh. And and what I would do is I'd get somewhere at night, throw a piece of wire up in the tree, get into my tent, and just lay there with a pair of headphones on. And no one would hear me talking because I'm talking with my fingers. So right. I would sit there, sit there and communicate with people all over the country and on Morse code. And that was one of the goals that I had is to just in every state, and there's 14 states the trail goes through, mm-hmm. sit there and talk to people in Morse code. Maybe a silly goal for uh, the average person, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Wow. And I had this following of ham radio operators that were, you know, listening for me and so on. And it it makes a great backup because out there in the woods, the cell phones don't always work. So right. Mm-hmm. Had there been an emergency, it would have been a really useful tool. So yeah. that's really the that's the three groups. But you know, it's a really it's a it's a I think a good humorous nonfiction book to read about somebody doing something crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh huh. Something yeah. crazy but inspiring and with a great outcome. So I definitely love the message in it all. Um, and so do you think you're going to be writing more books or doing anything else along these lines that our listeners can watch for? Okay, I, uh, I've done uh, a tremendous number of interesting things, I think, over the years. I, I'm a very serious bicyclist, and I've toured all over the place on a bicycle, uh, both a mountain bike and a street bike. Uh, Nova Scotia with um, family, as a family, we've gone to Michigan on a number of occasions for their, something they have out there called the Michigander. It's a week-long uh, bicycle ride on a mountain bike around the state. They always yeah. take different trails. My, my wife, Jane, has been dying to get out and climb uh, Machu Picchu in Peru. That's, that's on the uh, bucket list, I think. Mm-hmm. And and my own personal interest, the thing I'd really like to do next and may in the next year or two, if we can figure out a way, is to do a coast-to-coast bicycle ride, mm-hmm. uh, go out to Oregon and ride back to New Hampshire. My my daughter, uh, five days after she graduated from high school, uh, we lived in New Hampshire at the time. She flew out to Oregon and rode her bicycle. <laughs> so, wow. Uh, so it kind of runs in the family. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We're all we're all a little bit on the strange side, I guess. But <laughs> yeah. oh, I would say adventurous, not necessarily strange. Yeah. So yeah, do you adventurous. think you're going to be sharing more of these experiences, whether on blog form or in another book, or do we just have to stay tuned? <laughs> I, I would I would certainly uh, certainly do the blog thing. In fact, uh, for the book, even uh, I have a. a blog.300.com and I'll probably do a blog for coasttocoastbicycle.com or something if, at that point and I, I, I always try to, oh, I don't know if I try but I always end up in funny situations so it would probably be a very humorous blog I'm mm-hmm. sure and, and it's interesting when you put yourself in these situations where you get into you're out of your your comfort zone and you're, you're in an environment and you're in a foreign area, uh, you know, not necessarily foreign country, but an area you're not familiar with. And especially if you're alone, one of the things that happens is you, it's basic human nature to want to talk to people. Mm-hmm. So you come out of your shell a lot. Mm-hmm. And, so, and that leads to just funny situations. It, it, 
inevitably happens. It'll be, it'll be a dog, it'll be a bear, whatever it'll be. It'll, funny things happen, and usually there's other people involved. And mm-hmm. you know, There's a bunch of, that, bunch of that in the book, obviously. Yeah, that's great. And I think that's part of just sharing our humanity with one another, is sharing our stories and just talking about who we meet along the path, so to speak. And that's um, one of the things that I like about what you've been sharing and about the book. And how would the listeners get a copy of the book if they're interested? Well, the easiest way is if if they have an online connection is just go to uh, 300 and spell the words out, 300zeros.com. That's certainly the easiest way. And there's ordering information right there. And there's also some uh, quotes from some some folks that have read the book already. and, Mm -hmm. And there's also. There's also the blog, which is blog.300zeros.com, and you can leave a comment there. You know, be, I, I, I welcome comments, and mm-hmm. please, I mean, love to hear what people think of the story, and even if they haven't read it, uh, there's, there's enough information out there. They can, my journal is on trailjournals.com, mm-hmm. and, oh, and then one other interesting thing is uh, my trail name originally well, uh, everybody has a trail name, a moniker they use, mm-hmm. and it, and it's really really handy because, like I said in the book, you might have uh, ten different bills in a given year hiking the Appalachian Trail, but everybody takes on a moniker that's usually unusual. I think I used like Swooping Gull and and a crit, or whatever it might be, in the book, and mine was the letter K and then the number one. And then YPP, K1YPP, which is a ham radio call letter. And mm-hmm. I had it 12. And I started out using that, but uh, typical of the way things work in America, we always shorten things. And pretty soon everyone was just calling me K1. Uh-huh. So that ended up being my trail name, K1. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. See, I do nothing like that, but that is very interesting to know. I think there's just a lot of interesting tidbits in the book that are things that the typical person, I guess, wouldn't know about. And I appreciate that you share that type of information. It makes it very interesting. And um, is there an opportunity for people to have you come and speak and share about your story and your journey, or are you not um, interested in that part of this? Or what what does that look like for you? Well, I I love going out and talking to groups at this point. I'm. Uh, I don't have a, a vehicle that I can travel great distances with. I'm mostly on the bicycle, but uh-huh. I, I. My wife has a vehicle she gets to work with every day, and sometimes I borrow that and go off and do groups here in Central Florida. Great. Uh, my. I, I may have to break down and actually get a second vehicle and maybe do a book tour around the East Coast here. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as far as the West Coast goes. I, Oh, if there wasn't up in the end, I'd, I'd certainly show up out there one way or the other. But right, right. I, yeah, I have done a number of ham radio clubs here in the area already. So, and I have a I have a slideshow I do with it. I have a couple hundred slides and you know an electronic PowerPoint presentation. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's great. Trail. That's so. good for people to know in case anyone wants um, something further or, or more interested. They can contact you, I'm sure, via your website. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. And, and the website has a bunch of pictures on it as well. Oh, good. I'm sure that'll be nice for a lot of people to be able to enjoy that. And um, I just wanted to ask one other thing, and that was what do you hope the 
this book, when people read it, what do you hope that they will get from it more than anything? Is there one particular... I know we talked about the, the three audiences and the different messages, but is there just one main thing that you're hoping that everyone will walk away with when they read your story? If, if I could have my wish, I think the one thing I'd like to get across to people that are particularly in my age bracket, uh, the baby boomers and beyond, is that just because you're getting older, it doesn't mean that life's over. Uh, I was, I was, I just set out on this thing when I was 60 years old. So, if there's any message there at all, you know, turn the television off, get get up out of the seat, you know, and get out there and do something. Any a walk every day, whatever it is, but but use that body you've been given and, mm-hmm. and enjoy the world. Wow, I think that's a great and powerful message. Thank you so much, Dennis. I appreciate your time today, and I wish you the best of luck with the book and your continuing journeys, and I look forward to hearing more myself. And again, if any of our listeners would like to purchase the book or find out more about Dennis, you can go to 300zeros.com, and he also has his blog at blog.300zeros.com. Is that correct? That is correct, Angela. All right. Thank you, and have a wonderful day out there in sunny Florida, and I wish you the best. Thank you very much.